Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. great to be um, together here today. We are um, in the book of Romans and we are still in chapter 12 and we are looking at this over the next few weeks together. This is a book of the Bible that was actually a letter that was written by Paul to the church in Rome and at the time that he wrote um, this book, Rome had a lot going on, the church in Rome. It was a collection of house churches mostly um, and its people were in something of a state of flux. The house church were in danger of focusing just on different limited parts of the gospel and starting to go their separate ways. The Jews who had been expelled from Rome were starting to return and they were finding that actually Gentile leaders had been raised up and were leading their churches. They'd become very different to what how they had left them. So Paul, it's been described as doing some preventative pastoral care here. He's teaching them that the whole news of this good news of Jesus Christ, what it is and how it affects the way that we live, how people of different histories, of different ethnicities, different worldviews are together being formed into church. He was writing them to them to say how you live your lives, how you live in this city, how you live with each other is in itself a testament, a witness to the transformative work of the cross. How you live together and treat each other, that's what's at the heart of this life with Jesus. It's not a faith of words only, it's a way of life. My friend Joe says community reads romantically and is lived sacrificially. And the sacrificial life of community is in a sense what our verses are about today. There's two verses that we've been given to look at specifically, two verses with five statements. Five statements that pack a punch, they're clear, they're precise, they're direct. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. And we could almost, in a sense, just read these and go home, they explain themselves. But they are also worth spending time with. They are worth exploring, allowing them to help us to reflect, to ask questions of ourselves. And as I've done that, as I've just planned and prepared and prayed um, over this talk, these verses are rich and challenging, they're gritty. They're where real life gets to work. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. Hating what is evil and clinging to what is good is given within the context of loving and honouring each other. And so what does this look like lived out? What does it look like when we're gathering on Sundays, when we're in connect groups? We're meeting people for coffee, we're in work, we're having conversations, we're making decisions, we're writing policies, we're spending our money, we're being part of society. What does it look like tomorrow morning, Saturday afternoon, Friday night, 
hate what is evil, cling to what is good. The Greek word for hate in this verse means to turn away from, to separate yourself from, untangle yourself from, liberate yourself from evil and then cling to what is good. It's, it's this sense of glue yourself to what is good. Be stuck to it so that you are one with it, so that the good is what flows out of us to those around us. And both of these explanations are active. Actively make choices to untangle, to pull apart and destroy any unity between us and evil and then stick to good. Don't peel away from it, shake it off, but stick to it. Why has Paul used these such strong words? Why didn't Paul write, hey, just make sure you don't get up to too much evil, do a bit of good every now and then to keep God happy? Because life with God isn't doing what we can to scrape by. It's not about impressing each other or trying to be right before God. It's about what's happening in here because everything from here overflows. And when it comes to the way that we treat each other, God doesn't mess around. What is the evil we are to hate and the good that we are to cling to? It's such a big conversation. We could study and talk about good and evil forever, but for the purposes of today, evil is a word that is used in the Bible to describe anything that is anti-creation as God intended it. Christians believe that God created the world and when he had, he said that it was good. It was as it should be. He created the world in harmony with relationships of mutual submission, joy, respect, equality. And he intended the good creation cycles that he had begun to be continued by humans. He gave all of us that privilege, authority, responsibility. Be fruitful and multiply, be full of life. But then Adam and Eve as human beings chose to have knowledge of both good and evil. And so has every human being since then. We have all lived with experience of, knowledge of, and the capacity for both good and evil. And when that happened, the creation cycles that God began were disrupted, distorted, and dishonored. But there's another but. Jesus' death and resurrection were for the purposes of restoration, to restore God's original intent. That as we begun now, and will be completed one day when he comes back again and all is made new. When we choose to follow Jesus, we spiritually become part of his family, his kingdom, and this is a kingdom, not of darkness, but of light, not of death, but of life, not of evil, but of good. We get to be part of the renewing of all things, of living out the values of this kingdom here on earth. And we know that that day is coming eventually when all will be made new, but as signs that that day is on the way. We are here in our businesses, schools, politics, music, communities, families, everywhere else we find ourselves, getting to sow the seeds of renewal. As Paul writes a little later on in this chapter, we overcome evil with good. Lisa Sharon Harper in her book, The Very Good Gospel, describes this incredibly. She talks about how in the ancient times, 
where the image of a king was, whether it was on coins and statues and emblems on gateways, wherever there was the images of the king or the ruler, wherever they were seen, that was a marker of where that king ruled. That was a marker of his dominion. And where that marker flourished, where those markers, those images flourished, where you see the images of the king in many places, where it was honoured, you knew that that kingdom was flourishing. But where you saw those images of the king crushed and twisted and knocked over and maligned, then you knew that there was a war against that king. There was a battle for his territory, his kingdom. We're told in Genesis that as human beings, we were created in the image of God, sacred, precious, all of equal value, all given the authority and agency to rule the earth with God. We human beings were created to be markers of God's rule, markers of the flourishing kingdom of God. And Lisa Sharon Harper goes on to say that where the image of God in people is crushed, oppressed, dishonored, where people's agency and freedom are taken away by others, that is a battle against the kingdom of God. That is coming against the king of this kingdom. What a powerful description. Let's go a little further still. When God created the world, he created it for Shalom which is a Hebrew understanding of wholeness, of all as it should be, of all things reconciled to God and with each other. Shalom happens in the spaces between us, in the spaces of connection. It's not just that I and myself have shalom and you have shalom and you have shalom and they have shalom and we all carry our self-contained shalom around. No, it's that as an image bearer of God, I have wholeness in him and so do you. And together we are peacemakers. We are creators of peace in the spaces between us. Together we are giving this lives to this way of the kingdom that creates and recreates shalom amongst us, between us and through us. And when this happens, we are flourishing markers of the kingdom of God, honouring the image of God within each of us honouring the authority that you have and you have and you have, that we have all been given the authority to join God in continuing the cycles of good creation. So that church becomes this body that moves with grace and hope and freedom, actively liberating itself from evil, actively untangling itself from corrupted power, from greed, from selfishness, from human hierarchies of value and bias, from inequality, from lust, from lies, from gossip, from self-righteousness, from revenge, from all that is evil. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to each other with sincere love. Honour one another above yourselves. I asked some friends what did they think it means to honour each other and everyone started with oh oh and they they kind of struggled in a sense to put it into words and then someone said I think it's a bit like being an apprentice if you've got a really good 
teach her a really good boss, you honour them when you do the jobs like they showed you to. When you get a good apprentice, they continue the good name of the company. People aren't just impressed with the apprentice, but with the company that they're working for is that apprentice seeks to honour all that they have been taught. They don't always get it right. It's not about being perfect, but they are doing their best to honour the ways that they have been shown. And we don't find the word apprentice in the Bible, but in a sense, it's what disciples, followers of Jesus are, we're his apprentices. We honour him not by being perfect, but by living how he showed us to live, by loving how he showed us to love. We honour him by honouring each other. And I want to finish by pointing us briefly to three encounters that Jesus had with people while he was here on earth that can teach us what it is to honour the image of God in each of us. You know, there's so much to say about honour. We could, again, talk all day on this, but here's just three ideas, three ways of Jesus that we can reflect upon and think about how we can live out in our daily lives. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. There was one day when he was um, out in the Pharisees, the teachers, the religious teachers of the law brought to him a woman who had been caught in adultery. And it was the law then that the woman needed to be stoned to death. And they brought this woman to Jesus because they wanted to catch him out. And they said to her, this woman has been caught in adultery. What should we do with her? And Jesus's response was, let the, fair, the one who is without sin throw the first stone. And one by one, everyone began to leave until it was just this woman and Jesus left. He was without sin. Jesus could have thrown the first stone. He fulfilled his own criteria. But what happened? Jesus saw the woman and he said to her, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Pharisees didn't see the woman. They didn't see Jesus. They looked at the woman, but they didn't see her. They looked at Jesus, but they didn't see him. Their eyes were consumed with themselves, their status, their power, their agenda. Jesus says the Pharisees love to have the seat of honour at the big fancy banquets, but in my kingdom, that's not the way it works. Whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. To honour one another is to live lives of humility so that we don't just look, but we see each other. On another occasion, Jesus was walking on his way to heal a sick child. You know, this was an important thing that he was about to do. But as he was walking, the streets were busy. They were crowded. You know what it's like when there's loads of people. But then Jesus stopped because stopped because he had felt some of his power leave him. And he asks, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, everyone touched you. It's crazy here. Like we're all um, squeezed in together. But Jesus waited. And then the woman who had touched his cloak came forward. The woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years, who had thought to herself, if I just touch his cloak, then I could be healed. That's enough for me, thought the woman, but not for Jesus. He wanted to know her. And it says she stepped forward and told him the whole truth. She told him everything. Jesus listened. He listened to her heart. 
He listened to the pain that she had been carrying all those years. He listened to the faith and the hope that she had brought to that moment. He listened to her, he honored her story. And then he says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Jesus could have wandered around the cities, walking, allowing people to just touch his cloak and be healed. Maybe he could have got loads of cloaks and put them all around the city. So all you needed to do was go and touch it and be healed. But every encounter that Jesus had was a personal one. He listened and he responded to the person right in front of him. Another day, Jesus had been out with the disciples. They'd been out all day. There was loads of people that had gathered around following them. Said there's 5,000 men, plus women and children. Everyone's hungry and there's no plan for food. Jesus says, we need to, you know, how are you going to feed these people? And then a boy brings his pack lunch. Jesus received it and gave thanks for it. Jesus could have miracled up some bread from heaven. God had done it before in the Old Testament, but instead he humbled himself to receive what the boy had. He didn't belittle the contribution, but with it, Jesus co-created provision for everyone there. He blessed it, he multiplied it, and they ended up with leftovers. To honor each other is to receive the gift of each other, the gift of who we are as people. Even if we just look around at the, the family, the community, those around us, I mean, we are amazing. We are creations of God, that we get to sit next to each other, that we get to know each other, that we get to be in this city together to actually what a gift that we are to each other in and of ourselves. We are a gift. I mean, just look, take a moment, <laughs> um, look around it. Maybe that you're on your own, but just remember what you are part of, the gift that we are to each other. The gift of who you are and also the gifts that we bring. In a flourishing, healthy community, you help me to be more fully me, and I help you to be more fully you. I receive the gift of who you are and what you do. I receive your joy. I receive your creativity, your insight, your suffering, your pain, your wisdom, your kindness, and I give thanks for it. I give thanks for the gift that you bring. In a community that honors each other, everyone gets to give and receive. Everyone needs to give and receive. It safeguards us from becoming the saviors of each other, of our city. When we come in humility to those around us to give and receive, it's a statement of honor. As I say, we could have said so much more, but for today, honor sees, honor listens, honor gives and receives. Let's be apprentices of each other, of growing what it is to honor each other. Maybe we know certain people we can look to are, who are genuinely honoring others well, and we can say, help me, <laughs> how do you do it? And let's together be apprentices of Jesus, hating what is evil, allowing ourselves to ask the question, is my hatred of evil active? Am I untangling myself from habits, systems, thoughts of evil that only come to destroy? Am I clinging to what is good? Am I honoring the image of God in those around me?
And maybe when people see the way that they live, <laughs> they'll ask the question, who are you working for? And we get to point to him. This is what God is like. The markers of his kingdom are flourishing here. Everyone is fulfilling the original intent to have authority and join with him in multiplying all that is good. He sets the culture, we don't. He gives authority, we don't. He is the king, we're not. I'm just going to finish with a prayer from um, the common book of prayer, if you, want, if you want to join with me. Father eternal, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour. In what we have thought, in what we have said and done, through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we have wounded your love and marred your image in us. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us. Restore us in your image. Lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.